This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Let's pray. Father, I humble myself before you. I ask that you give me what your people need right now. And Lord, those that have come that are their guests, and we just welcome them, and we just thank you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to them, speak to each and every one of us. And Lord, even the message is, is it's eternal, uh, it's unchanging. Lord, that even as we share the message, the simple message of the cross, Father God, that you would lighten upon it and speak to each heart. And Lord, as we've prayed for that spirit of adoption, Lord, that you would bring to those into the kingdom of God today, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, You know, we are blessed to be able to worship freely. Many of you know over there, there's that flag, Sri Lanka. We've been in contact. Uh, some of you heard the news this morning. There was a bombing, number of bombings in Sri Lanka. And so far, the estimates of 450 injured and over 200 killed. They attacked a number of churches and hotels. Three, two of the hotels of the three that they bombed, we have stayed in before. Kingsbury and the Cinnamon Grand. Pastor Woody and his church had armed guards last night when they did the service out front. I, some of you remember Heron and, and Chandi. Chandi has a militant armed guard out of her house because she works for the U.S. Embassy there. So at this point, they don't know who has done the attacks, whether it's ter- terrorists or it's the Tamil Tigers from the north in, in that civil war. They just don't know. But it was all simultaneously, and it was attack against Christians. You know, we are blessed in this nation. But we are blessed to be a blessing. And we're going to continue to go to that nation. And we're going to see the minority become the majority. Amen. You know, there's a, the mayor there is a Christian. It's a Christian woman. Her name is Rosie. She was, uh, won a beauty contest years ago. And it's the first woman mayor. Pastor Woody is friends with her. And she comes to the church at times. And they lay hands and pray for her. She's a spirit-filled believer. Colombo is, she's the mayor of Colombo. And that's millions uh, he's working out a time where our next trip we can go and we can minister and pray over her and prophesy and just bless her. What an honor. Amen. And so uh, we want to remember, remember in your prayers as we have our freedom this week and we go about our doing our things, know that our fellow brothers and sisters don't have that freedom. Amen. Amen. Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. Um, you know, what does it mean? And here's the big question. I think the church has done a, a pretty good job at telling, you know, what it is, the gospel. And most people would come and if they come to church, you know, and whether it's a special celebration, would say, well, yeah, some about some guy who came 2,000 years ago. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and blah, 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 blah. And they kind of get the gist of the story, but miss the why behind it. Today, I want to talk to you about the why. Why this day is so important to all of us. Why it's so important. Easter shows us that Jesus is who he claimed to be. That Jesus has the power he claimed to have. And Jesus does what he promised to do. Can you say amen? The resurrection of Jesus Christ means this, that our past 
can be forgiven. And when you say that to somebody that doesn't recognize, why does my past need to be forgiven? It means nothing. But here's the thing. Every single one of you that are breathing, how many of you are breathing here this morning? About four of you. It's wonderful. That means you're alive. That means when you came into this world, we were all born into sin. I shared that one time when I was in the Marine Corps to an officer in the Philippines. And when I said that, he just, he was, he got upset. He goes, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. I'm an officer in the Marine Corps. I mean, I help people. I'm not, I'm not bad as, you know, this person or that person. I said, sir, we are all sinners. All of us born. And you may not be a mass murderer or some crazy bank robber or anything like that. A little stuff here and there. And you think, God's dealing with those other people that do some really, really bad things. And, you know, my stuff's okay. No. If you've broken one point of the law, you've broken it all. How many with me here this morning? Our past can be forgiven. Our present can be changed, managed, and our future is secure. That is such a peace to know. You know, millions of people celebrate Easter today all around the world. How is it something that happened 2,000 plus years ago that it's still significant today? Think about that. I mean, what does it mean? There are even people who never go to church, yet they claim to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Yep, they believe it. They don't even attend church. I've met people like that. And so... The resurrection of Christ. Just got some points here. Number one, the resurrection of Christ, it is a historical fact. It was not done in secret. Once you get that, if you're taking notes, it was not done in secret. The whole city of Jerusalem knew about it, and eventually the whole Roman Empire. It was news. If there was a live feed, whether cable or live satellite, news broadcasters, they would have been stationed out there with their dishes pointed up, and they would have had live feed there of the resurrection that something major happened. That would have been, it, there would have been on-site reporting of the resurrection. There are at least 15 references to Jesus meeting people after his resurrection. After his resurrection. One time he, he cooked breakfast for his disciples by the beach. John 21, 9. One time he took a walk with another two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, 13. One time the Bible says this. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. That he talked to about 500 people after he had risen from the dead. Think of being in that service. This is the guy you watched, crucified, put in a tomb, and he was arisen, not straggly, barely making it. You know, he resuscitated from it. No, he was dead. This guy's alive, and he's speaking. How many know you would be taking notes at that message? <laughs> I would be. Friends, a lot of people saw Jesus after his resurrection. What does it mean for us? It means three things. Number one. The meaning of Easter, the resurrection. Jesus is who he claimed to be. John eleven twenty five 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. Jesus made some outrageous claims when he was here on earth. So what do you mean? What is an outrageous claim? He claimed to be God. He said he is perfect. That he is the only way to heaven. He told us that he alone was the savior of the world. Can I get an amen? So you know, a lot of people try to make Jesus a good teacher. And here's the thing. A good teacher would never say that he was God. <laughs> a good teacher. All right? They wouldn't. So if I go and teach people all kinds of good morals and values, you need to be concerned if I step up here one day, God forbid, I'm not going to say it behind the pulpit, and I think, oh, I'm God. Immediately, you know, eh, get him out of here. Come on now. He said, I'm God. 
And when people fell down to worship him, he didn't say, like a lot of Old, Old Testament examples, when they saw angels, if an angel was there, they said, no, no, don't worship me, worship him. Amen. Amen? He was God in the flesh. So the moment I start calling myself God, you not think, man, he's not a good teacher anymore. He's messed up. Jesus was either who he said he was or he was the biggest liar who ever lived. In John 14, 6 and 7, excuse me, 6 and 7, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm. I want you to just say la. I want you to ponder that. <clears throat> if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. That, my brothers and sisters, is a huge, strong claim. Jesus said, I am the way. Notice he didn't say, I am one way. Come on now. I'm a a good way, or I am one of the many ways. How many know it cannot be all roads get to heaven, or all dogs get to heaven? Amen? It's not that. It's like saying, I can text any number I want and get to my family. How many know there's only one number that gets to my family members? So it's only one way to heaven. You say, that's narrow-minded. Bring it up with him. He's, a, he's our creator. He's the one that made us. He's the one that formed us. Every breath I take is because of him. Amen? He's God. How do you argue with God? How do you want to be the one to argue with him? Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the truth. That means that any other way is not the truth if he's right. If he's right, Jesus claimed to be God. He said, no one can get to, the, to God the Father except by me. Now, here's what's significant. Even if you don't believe Jesus Christ is who he said he was, you still use him as a reference point. You say, well, how so, Pastor Mike? Every time you write a check and you date it, you're using Jesus as a reference point. Every time you write a letter or you send an email, it's sent out with a reference point. Um, every time you write down an appointment in your calendar, there's a reference point. What is it? 2019. Come on now, right? We are 2019 years from uh, the year Jesus came to this earth. <clears throat> Excuse me. God came to earth in the form of man so we could know and who God is. His name was Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he came and he split all of history into AD and BC. So every time you write a check, you send an email, you make a reference point, you're making a reference point to the resurrection of Christ. Somebody say amen. Friends, Jesus was who he claimed to be. Number two, Jesus shows us he had the power he claimed to have. The last words Jesus said to the disciples were this. Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And John 10, 18, he says, nobody takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. You know what? No force could hold God Almighty down. Amen? The Romans killed him. They put him in a tomb. They put a big stone in front of that tomb, and they sealed it with the Roman seal, and they posted, watch this, a 24-hour watch guard. Nobody was getting past those Roman soldiers. Now, you need to know something that if a Roman soldier fell asleep on the job, the next day he was executed. You need to know the severity of this. Some people threw him in a tomb and, you know, some people came and stole the body. He's alive, he's alive. No, no. They had guards there guarding this tomb, and you were not getting by there, these men, without something supernatural to overcome them. Amen? Amen. Jesus showed us he had the power he claimed to have. Number three, Jesus does what he promises to do. Mark 10, 33 and 34. Jesus said, 
We are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest. Look how clear this is and how he prophesied this. <clears throat> he said, he will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And they will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And then Jesus finishes this off. Three days later, he will rise. Amen? He will rise. How many of you know that Jesus was the only one who knew his future and he talked about it? Right? The cross was no surprise to Jesus. It was all part of God's plan. Let me say that again. Some of you missed it. The cross was all part of God's plan of redemption for mankind. It, the cross is not a picture of failure. Some, some foreign religions, you know, they, they don't get it. They don't understand it. It's confusing to them because that's a symbol of death. And he died. And, and they can't equate it. That, that wasn't the final resting place. Amen? There was a resurrection. After the resurrection, the angel said to the woman in the tomb, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said, Matthew 28. See, here's the thing. Jesus did not predict it. He prophesied it. There's a difference. There's a difference. He knew it would happen. Here's the thing. When God makes a promise, how many know you can count on it? When he makes a promise. I mean, because Jesus did rise from the dead, and because he was who he said he was, and he has the power he said he had, he has kept the promises that he has made, and he will still keep those promises today for you. Can you say amen? So, how do we summarize this? If Jesus really did die for your sin and rose again on the third day, it means three things for you. Here's why. Number one, your past can be forgiven. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, man is made up, a woman, three-part nature, spirit, soul, and body. Can we say that? Say spirit, soul, body. The body is going to die someday, <laughs> and it's going to deteriorate, and that's the, the, but that spirit and soul is going to live forever. What needs to be made new? What, what gets saved? What, because you, people, they get born again, and they're the same people. It's that spirit man or spirit woman where Christ comes in to their spirit. Amen. They receive them. Here, it's not just some mental ascent. It's like, well, Jesus went and did all that for us, and well, I'm good to go. I'm going to go about my life. You must receive it. You must accept it. You must welcome him in your life. You must make him Lord of your life. You must repent. And repentance is not a bad word. It means just change your mind. Some, you know, times we make it out to be. It's just change your mind in the direction you're going. So your past can be forgiven. God made you alive, Colossians says with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations. Praise God for that. That was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. What does that mean? Your sin was nailed to the cross. Come on now. Amen? That means there's cleansing, there's forgiveness, there's, re- there's the purifying effect of God that is, that is always there and available for the believer. See, uh, as an unbeliever, it just, your sin just compounds. It just compounds. You have no way to get rid of it. Only through Christ you can be set free. Number two, your present problems can be overcome. They can be managed. They can be dealt with. Maturity is when you realize that you can't manage all that life is going to send you. But God can. I said God can. And that's good news. I can't control everything in my life. I like to control everything in my life. 
Some think I'm a control freak in those things, not over people, but just things in my life. Come on now. You know, like if the coffee Keurig is messing up in the morning, that's an issue. <laughs> and sometimes my wife will get up and she'll make a pot of coffee. I said, what happened? It's clogged. So I get in there with my glasses. I unclog that thing and make that thing work. Why? Well, I don't like to be inconvenient and in I like to be in control of these things. They need to work. You know, if you plug something in, turn on, no work. Something's wrong. Amen? <laughs> Your present problems can be managed. These are trivial things that I'm talking about. I can't control everything in my life, but God can. So I need to lean on him, trust him, and ask him for help. Even those of us that are trying to take care of every avenue, everything in our life, to make sure we don't run into that. Some people, they just take life just, woo, you know. And they wonder why. I ran out of gas. Did you think of maybe filling your tank before you left for a 150-mile trip? You know. Uh, anyhow, moving right along. How many with me say amen? amen. How many are going to shout amen when they know I'm almost finished? <laughs> I am. We don't know what the future holds. Neither of us do. I don't know what's going to happen next year, next month, or next week. But it doesn't matter. So why doesn't it matter? Because even though it's out of our control, it's not out of God's control. You need to hear that, church. He will give you the power to face whatever you need to face. Number three, your future can be secure. You know, everyone has a longing, really, inside, if they're honest with themselves, to know what's going to happen after I die. Jesus shows us. These things are written that you may know you have eternal life, he said. And here's the thing. It's obvious we're going to spend, watch this, more time on that side of eternity than this side. Now, I want you all to look up maybe here. And just, I want you to just keep your eyes open and try not to blink. Just for 10 seconds. All right, you can blink. That blink is your life on earth. If you think of 100 trillion years from now, eternity... <laughs> where there is no time, how do you think 80 or 90 years is? It's this. That's it. That's why the Bible tells in James our life is like a vapor. We think we got forever. You know, like I'm 45 or I'm 25. I got my whole life ahead of me, you know. Start getting up there 60, 70. You know, start walking a little bit slower. So you start pushing 80. You start, to, okay, what, what, what's the future hold for me? Come on now. How many with me say amen? amen? See, for the believer, you can walk into the future know with boldness and knowing heaven is my home. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And all this suffering right now, I may be 90 years old and sitting on a bed and can't get up and around, but you know what? Nothing can change the past that what God's done through your life. That will never be erased. And so even though you may feel that you're in a state or know someone or have a relative that they really can't do much, their life still has value till they breathe their last breath. Can somebody say amen? amen? The good news of salvation is that we can cross over death and be with Jesus and spend eternity with God in heaven. That is good news. Now, there are two ways you can cross over, as I conclude. You can live a perfect and sinless life just like Jesus. You, you, you can try to do that. I won't ask a show of hands if anyone has ever sinned. If you ever told a lie, stole something, thought something bad... You're disqualified. So I don't know if there's anyone in. I doubt that. No. So nobody ever passed this test. Since none of us qualify on option one, we need to take option two. We need to put our trust in Christ and ask him to save us. For he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Can you say amen? He was the only perfect person who ever lived because he was God. And he paid the price to buy our way back to heaven. See, here's the thing. The Christian is not somebody who accepts a religion. A Christian is somebody who has a relationship with God. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with God Almighty. It's not, well, the big man upstairs, and, you know, he has other big, he got other big problems to deal with. You know, my little problems, you know, and oh, I don't really want to bother him. Listen, he, he knows every hair on your head. He made you with your only thumbprint of the seven plus billion people. Come on now. He cares about you and wants a relationship with you. Someone needed to hear that. He's not a distant, far-out God. He wants to be close with you. He wants to walk with you. Listen to what the Apostle Peter, one of the disciples closest to Christ, says in 1 Peter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. There's that, that salvation. Unto a living hope. Well, through what? Through the resurrection. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, our hope and why we celebrate this Easter Sunday is because of the resurrection. If he stayed on the cross, we'd be no different than any other religion. It'd be a dead religion. But it's alive because now we have the answers to life. Now we know who God is. Amen? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Friends, only God can provide you and your family with that hope. You have nothing to fear, not even death. Stand with me if you would, please. Heaven is where we all belong. That's the heart of God. But there's a condition. There's a condition. I would ask you as you stand, just be, try to be still. We're almost finished. And just bow your heads. We're going to do something a little bit different this uh, Easter. As we pray for those to receive Christ. The first condition with every head bowed to eternal life is that you need to put your trust in Christ. You may hear the turn, get saved, be born again. This is what Easter is all about. This is what the Christian faith is all about. Trusting in Christ. <clears throat> Jesus said the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And watch this. He says repent and believe the good news. Two things. So well, what do I need to do? Once again, repentance is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Repentance means change your mind. In other words, if you're walking in one direction, heading one way, you turn around and you go in the opposite direction, a different way. That's really what it means to change your mind in a position. Belief. Faith is not something that some people have and others do not have. Faith is action. It's decision. You choose to believe or not. Not making a decision, just saying, I don't, I don't, I don't know, just uh, think it's nice, but that's a decision. You made a decision not to decide. I feel God is speaking to people. Faith is action, it's decision. When you came here this morning, you didn't stand and look at your seat and go, you know what, I just, I don't have faith that that thing is going to hold me. I, ah, let's test it out here. Some of you have been testing it out, and the reality is it can hold you up. See, what does that mean? Every single one of you has enough faith to get saved. Every single one of you has enough. Every one of you, you have enough faith to get saved. It's a decision to believe that's based upon evidence, not blind faith or, you know, just well, just trust, just only hope. It's based upon evidence. 
evidence. It's not blind faith. Some of you here may not be sure that you would go to heaven. The scripture says, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. With every head bowed, I'm going to just briefly share here a minute. I recently came across a story that uh, spoke to me, and I felt I'd use it for conclusion here. Uh, Back during the Holocaust, there was a Franciscan friar. He was Polish. His name was Father Maximilian Kolbe. Some of you may have heard about him in some of his writings. He's a Catholic minister. He was sent to Auschwitz. And the SS guards just really were brutal to him. And they loaded up pallets on his back. And he couldn't carry them. They laughed. And they'd come over and beat him and flog him. And, and uh, every night he would go into the, the barracks where all the rest of the Jews were there. And prisoners and crying. Many crying out. And he'd go, I'm a minister. And can I pray for you? Can, can I? I mean, even in that in the concentration camp. He loved on people. And so history tells that some of the people that were so ill, some of the, the, uh, the men in the camp would know what bunk he was in or where he was at, and they would crawl at night just to be beside him and try to touch his bed. Wow. Well, as history tells us that uh, one man tried to escape, and the Germans said, you know what? Anyone escapes, we're going to take 10 people randomly and you're going to be killed. And you're just going to go into a dungeon and you're going to starve to death. See how long you last. And and so 10 men were selected and one of the 10th men was named Francis Gajanowski. And the moment he was picked, he was an army sergeant in the Polish army. He began to cry out. He goes, my wife, my two sons, who will take care of them? And... Father Maximilian stepped forward and said, I'll take his place. And the German guard just stepped back and looked in astonishment like he was in a moment that was a a holy moment. And many of the uh, prisoners thought, he's going to tell him, well, both of you go. He didn't do that. He let this man go. And he took the father. And he went into that prison. And after two weeks... Well, even when he was in the prison, some of the men were trying to lick the walls just to get, they, they, many of them drank their urine and they all died except Father. He was still there. They came in after two weeks and he was kneeling just praying. They came with a carabolic acid with a needle. He just lifted his left arm. They injected him and he died. Here's the interesting story. This Francis, he lived 53 more years. Every 14th of August, the day, I don't know why this is speaking to me. (laughs) 150,000 people would make a pilgrimage on behalf of what Father Maximilian did. Because he stepped up and died on behalf of someone. Friends, we're all condemned to death, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ stepped forward and said, I'll pay for you. I'll go to the dungeon for you that you might have eternal life. You're here this morning. With every head bowed, you said, Pastor, it's time I give my life to God. I need Jesus. You said, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but with every head bowed, you say, just raise your hand. Perhaps there's someone in here this morning. 
Pray for me, Pastor. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Anyone in here this morning? Down in the back, thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to single you out, but this is your day. Today is the day of salvation for you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray together corporately if you would. Say to me, say, dear God, I want to come back to you now. I know I'm a sinner. Nothing I can do can make me deserving of heaven. I know Jesus Christ died for me. He took my place in punishment and rose again. Right now, I place my trust in Christ alone to save me. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord God, today we thank you for your great love for us all. Help us all to fall in love with you again. Let us lean on you always and in the power to live right and to live well to the glory of your name. Let our lives be living testimonies of your grace and love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.